Can you really get paid to answer questions? My guest today does, and her answers are earning her 20 grand a month. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because making extra money never goes out of style. Today's guest attended my session at FinCon a couple months ago and stopped me in the hallway afterwards to tell me about how her offline business had turned into a pretty lucrative online one. Debbie Gartner used to run a local hardwood flooring consultation business where she'd estimate jobs and make recommendations and match homeowners with reliable installers. In her spare time, she started thefloorninggirl.com with the goal of showing up in some local search results and getting a few more phone calls. But as you might have guessed, the site soon started to reach an audience well outside her local area. Stay tuned to learn how Debbie drives traffic today, how the site earns money, and how you may be able to replicate some of Debbie's tactics in your own niche. Notes and links for this one, along with the free downloadable PDF highlight reel with all of Debbie's top tips from the call, are at sidehustlenation.com slash Debbie. It's D-E-B-B-I-E. Now, as you may know, I've been on something of a personal mission lately to be less busy, but more effective. Working smarter, not harder, right? Well, one tool that helps me do that is our sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the number one invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for side hustlers, freelancers, and consultants. Trusted by 24 million customers, this is the service I use when I need to invoice clients or advertisers, and I've been a customer for years. Side Hustle Show listeners can try it free for 30 days, no catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Debbie after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. So what I did is I wrote blog posts that were questions that my customers would have. I demonstrate my expertise and my trust. I learned how to do SEO and local SEO. I really concentrated on more. So then when they would do XYZ Town hardwood flooring or XYZ Town sanding and refinishing or whatever that was, I would pop up. And I just kept learning SEO more and more from some of the experts. I would just read it all the time. I was waiting online for lunch or something and read Neil Patel and later Brian Dean and Rand. I mean, all of those. I just kept reading and trying and experimenting and reading and doing a little bit more, but all on the side because I'm running a business full time. Yeah. Side hustles on side hustles. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So then by accident, because I was not trying to get lots of traffic because I only cared about local traffic, but I got to over a hundred thousand page views. And that was just solely from SEO, and it worked. Holy, that's a, that's a lot of traffic. And that, that can't be all local. No, it wasn't. That's what I'm saying. It was by accident across the country. And then some other people said, oh, well, you should monetize that. And I said, well, how? And then they said, oh, get them on an email list. And I'm like, why? I can't help anybody that's not local. It just doesn't do me any good. And then fast forward, I don't know, maybe two or three years without getting into the details, my life took a turn, I'll just say. And I had to restart everything. So I was not allowed to do flooring anymore because I had a two-year non-compete because I used to be part of a franchise and that's just how all franchises work. So I had to quickly pull myself up. I was also in a lot of debt too. 
So I had immediate debt of around $68,000. And then I had a longer term loan that had to be paid off at the time, six years, another $170,000. And I had no means of income. And I live right outside New York City in a very expensive county. So I had very high expenses. So I had to figure out what to do. So that's when I tried to turn everything around after pulling myself together a month or so after realizing all this and pulling myself together. And so then what I did is I decided to really try to monetize my blog. Okay. So this is an asset that I have. It's getting a ton of traffic. Maybe this could be my way out. Exactly. The only thing I had going for me was this blog. So this blog is getting over 100,000 page views a month and I can't do anything with it because I can't even take care of those estimates even when people beg me to come. I'm just not allowed to. So I tried to learn quickly how to monetize it, but I knew it would take a long time because I had done enough reading on the subject to understand that. So I took on two part-time jobs. I did some blogging for other people, for their local businesses, and did the SEO for them. And then I begged a painter I knew if I could do painting estimates because painting and flooring go together. A lot of times people want to coordinate the colors or they're doing both at the same time, especially if they're moving into a new home. And it was commission only. So he really had nothing to lose. But I did all those while trying to build my blog at the same time. What was the first thing that you did to start monetizing the site for this kind of national traffic? Like, okay, I can't do estimates locally anymore, but there's still something here. Right. So the first thing I did, which was the easiest, was just to turn on the ads. So because I had more than 100,000 page views a month, I was able to get into both AdThrive and Monumetric. And Monumetric got back to me faster, so I went with them. And then right away, I made $1,100 for the first month, which totally floored me. Pun intended. (laughs) So I was happy with that. And then the next thing was then trying to learn how to do affiliate marketing. So I took Michelle Gardner-Schroeder's course, which really helped me and also importantly opened me up to a whole network of really good bloggers. So I was already doing a little bit of Amazon, but maybe making three or $400 a month because my blog was not set up to monetize. My blog was set up to get local SEO, which of course, was doing me no good. So I had to leverage what I had, but then write different types of articles that were much more for people in buying mode. So before I did a lot of things that were um, more geared towards people trying to get flooring estimates. So as an example, one of my articles, which probably isn't even ranking that high anymore, is oil versus water-based polyurethane. What's the difference? And which is better? Because that was a common question. And if people haven't done their floors, they probably don't even know what polyurethane is, let alone that there are two different types or which is better. But someone who's asking that question has basically had two estimates already. One contractor told them oil, the other one told them water, and now they're confused. Then they would find my blog, read my blog. If they lived here locally, they would call me. So you're getting to people close at the purchase time, but I just had to translate that into things that people could buy online. And it it took a while. So 
I'm a slow learner. So it wasn't until month 11 of doing this that it really started to click in. My first month I turned on the ads, I made $1,100. And then I'm like, yay. And then the next month I made $1,500. And oh, good, this is working. I'll make more next month. And I just flatlined and (laughs) I tried some more. Then I got to 2000 and then I flatlined again. And it wasn't until month 11 through the combination of affiliate marketing and ads that I got to like $3,100 or something. And then from there, it just kept going up and up every month until I got to $11,000 a month. Now I'm obviously much higher, but if I look at where my income is coming from, the biggest bulk is from affiliate marketing followed by ads, followed by products now that I have those. Okay. Was it a dramatic increase in traffic to start to see those numbers increase or was it just creating different content or more affiliate focused content? Right. It's really a combination of factors. So somewhere in there, I also learned how to do Pinterest. Pinterest was really great for getting more traffic. And it turns out that Pinterest is a way to jumpstart my SEO. So I realized that later when I started doing painting articles. So remember how I said I was doing painting as a side hobby and (laughs) to keep myself alive? So I liked painting and it was fun and I'm helping people decorate and they liked my advice on colors. So then I started to blog about what I knew. So now if you look at my blog, it's really known for painting and it's known for hardwood flooring and those two go together. Okay, now I'm on on Debbie Gartner, the flooring girl on Pinterest. 5.2 million monthly viewers. Okay, Pinterest is, is a thing over here. Yeah, I get... Usually around 200,000 page views a month from Pinterest. So that definitely helps. <laughs> definitely. Teach me your ways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. And then on SEO, I get maybe 550,000 a month or so on there. So the SEO traffic is way more valuable because the people who are searching for things, they are in buying mode and they are much more likely to buy. So if I look at where my income is coming from now, usually I get around $12,000 a month on affiliate marketing and then $7,000 a month on ad revenue and then maybe two to $6,000 on products. So they work together. But what I notice is I did a really good pin on something for painting. It was like best paint colors to sell your house. And it was a really good article, I thought. It was 3,000 words and I spent a ton of time doing it. And I figured, what am I thinking? Like, I'm never going to rank on Google for that. Like, everyone and his brother has written that. There was an article from, I forget, CBS, like all these really huge sites. And I'm like, every realtor and every stager and it's on Zillow and it's everywhere. I'll never compete. But I did this pin. I spent a lot of time on the pin and the pin did really well. It was my first pin that really just completely took off and it became my number one article. And and I wasn't even expecting it to, so I wasn't checking it, but it did really well. And then from there, it did really well on SEO. Yeah. I was going to say you're on the first page now when I make that search. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. You rank six for that. And there's some other like featured snippets and stuff and some images on that page, which look like your pins, by the way. <laughs> those, are the, oh, awesome. those are the images that they're pulling. But, but the flooringgirl.com is up there. Yeah. 
So when I realized that, because I had never written anything about painting before, what it really said to me is if you have a really well-optimized, SEO-optimized post, like on page that you're doing really well, and then you send a lot of traffic there, and if the traffic is well-targeted, no matter where it comes from, as long as it's legitimate and they read the article and they stay on page for, let's say, four to five minutes, that basically tells Google that people like this article. So therefore, pay attention to it and therefore rank it. So what's happened is it decreased my time to get to page one by probably two to four months. So I have times now, not always, because I would like to always do this, but I have times where I'll get to page one in one month or two months. I've had a few where I got there in three weeks. I had one where I got there in one day. Very unusual. But that usually happens when I do very long tail specific searches. And so then I send it on Pinterest and it gets there faster. And then Google likes it and it ranks it way faster. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. How are you coming up with these topic ideas, these content ideas in the first place? Is that a Pinterest discovery rabbit hole? Is that looking at other kind of competitive sites? Curious, how'd you figure out how to write best paint colors to sell your house in the first place? Well, I really do a combination of things. Really, my best sources are when I get real questions from my real customers and real things that people ask for as opposed to using the keyword finders. I mean, I do use the keyword finders from time to time and I'll look at competitive sites. I've also found that Pinterest is a great source of ideas. So it will spark something. And sometimes on Pinterest, I'll see an idea that's in a completely different category. And then I'll say, oh, I could do something like that for flooring or for painting. But my blog gets a lot of traffic now. I mean, I'm well over 500,000 page views a month. So I get all of these questions and comments on my blog. So I will sometimes use those as inspiration. And then I used to also do like flooring and painting consults over the phone. So I just listen to what people say and turn those into questions. And of course, I still do some estimates, local estimates from time to time. I mean, I don't need the money, but I do want to be in touch with my target customer because it keeps me up on trends. It gets me more questions. I really want the unique content that not everyone can find on the keyword finders. And then the other thing I use a lot, and this is my favorite keyword tool and it's free, is Google Search Console. 
So I'll go in there and I'll look at other terms that are coming up that may be related to stuff that I've written, but that are different. And what's cool about that is only I can see that. My competitors can't see it. Do you have an example of that? Yeah. So one of my articles a while back that was doing really well was an article about Cortec Plus flooring. So Cortec Plus is a luxury vinyl plank flooring, and it's relatively new. And at the time, it was very new. So people had lots of questions. So I wrote an article very in-depth because I have experience doing it and installing it, and I know all these things about it. And the article did well. It was getting 5,000 clicks a month. So I said, okay, what can I do to find other articles like that? So I went into Google Search Console, and then I saw other terms that were being used, like luxury vinyl plank, or LVP, which is the abbreviation, or EVP, which is engineered vinyl plank. And I said, well, yeah, of course those are important, but they are not what I wanted that article to be about. So I'm not going to change that article. So I just wrote another article on what is luxury vinyl plank and EVP and LVP. And I wrote, you know, another three or 4,000 word article on that. And it did better than the original article. I think it was getting, I don't know, nine to 13,000 clicks a month on that. So I use that same method on other ones. Okay, so this is inside of Google Search Console. You can drill down by URLs on your site and they'll show you, okay, what terms or is this page getting impressions from? Is this page getting traffic from? And you could say, oh, that's interesting. It's picking up traffic from this luxury vinyl plank keyword, even though that's not really the core topic of the article. What could I do if I bet I could pick up more traffic if I created a dedicated resource for that term? Exactly. So I'll use Google Search Console. Sometimes I'll sort it by impressions and I'll see that or I'll go by blog post. So sometimes based on what I find, I will add in a different some different sections in the same article or do backlinks for that. And other times, if it's different enough, I will just create a new article. And that's the metric. If it's getting a ton of impressions, but maybe not a ton of clicks, maybe it's ranking lower on the first page, could I tweak the existing article to be more relevant to that specific search term? Or could I create a separate piece of content that more tightly serves that customer's query? Exactly. Interesting stuff. Yeah. It's funny too, because there are times too where I'll do things and I'll put them in the keyword search finders and I'll say zero impressions or some or zero searches. And that to me is gold because those actually mean that there's opportunity there because no one's really written about it because no one knows to write about it. And you're not dissuaded like, oh, that's going to be a waste of time. Nobody's looking for that. Right. If, I, if I've had enough people ask me about that in estimates or on the phone, or in questions, in comments, I know that there's a need for it because very few people actually write or ask those questions. Interesting. So it's like, don't, don't always trust the tools, you know, from your gut, from your experience in the industry. This is something that people want to know about. Time to create some content about that. Exactly. Now, let me ask you about the affiliate side. So are people buying paint online? Like I'm on your painting, you know, best paint colors page and it's like, hey, you know, you can get this color at Benjamin Moore and you can get this color at Sherwin-Williams and stuff. And there's some Amazon links in this article, but like it doesn't seem and the same thing with hardwood floors. Like it's like I'm going to find a local contractor to go buy this stuff. It doesn't necessarily seem well set up for affiliate stuff. Right. 
this is another tricky thing. So neither painting nor flooring are well set up for that because most people buy all the stuff locally. It makes sense that they would do that. So I had to find other ways around it. So that's why it also took so long for me to start making money on affiliate marketing. So I had to figure out, well, what else do those people need? So I rarely sell flooring or painting (laughs) online. So I figure out different things that they need. Well, they need cleaning products. What's the best cleaning product? What's the best vacuum for hardwood floors? What's the best whatever? All these accessories that people actually would buy online. And I... I make a lot from Amazon. I generally make around $7,000 a month on Amazon. But the thing is, on Amazon, your cookie is only good for 24 hours. So you have to think about things that people will buy that are not too expensive and don't take a long time to figure out because your cookie is only going to last 24 hours. So most people will not make flooring decisions in 24 hours because it's a very big purchase. You know, it could be 5000 or 10000 or $20,000 and it just won't happen. Plus they need someone to install it and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, it was finding all the accessories, whatever it is. So like polyurethane, as an example, is something that I do well with. And people don't know the right stuff to buy. But it's finding all the other accessories or things that go along with it, things that can be bought online. So that's what I do. And some of those painting posts do really well. Like some of them may get 30,000 page views a month, or I may even have some that are like 40 or 50,000, but they do not make me money from Amazon. Sure. It's just kind of an ad impression type of play. Exactly. And that's where you need to think about your blog, like a recipe. So different things serve different purposes. So I have a post and even though I might have intended it to help me in different ways, I'm just get the ad revenue from that. And I think on a few of those, I put more ads on those. Generally, I do not put ads in my content because I want my readers to really focus on the content. I have the ads on the sidebar. But if I haven't been able to monetize them in other ways, like, sure, I'll put in some more ads in there to make more money off of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're trying to figure out, and this is kind of from, you mentioned Michelle and and the Making Sense of Affiliate Marketing course. That was one of my biggest takeaways from from chatting with her was like looking at the top performing content and trying to figure out, well, how can I squeeze more revenue out of this? And it's not always going to be affiliate stuff. Maybe it is ad revenue. Maybe it's a email opt-in. Maybe it's creating a content upgrade. Maybe it's referring people to other relevant posts on your site. Like there's other ways to kind of take advantage of that traffic and serve that audience where they are instead of trying to like cram in affiliate offers if it's not a good fit. Exactly. You you can't force fit it. And you just got to think about what is the role that this is playing? What else can I do with it? So I've been trying on some of those to to make them work, but it's like putting a square peg in a round hole. It's just not going to work, but that's okay because it's doing really great and my readers like it and I'm giving them good information. I'm giving them good advice and that's what counts. The funny thing is on my main blog, I'm not even doing an email list. So all of my traffic and revenue is just coming from SEO and Pinterest and then monetizing it through affiliate offers. And right now for Q4, I'm trying to do just three months of additional SEO optimization. So instead of just going to my top posts like I've historically done, I'm actually going to the ones that are making the most money on Amazon and also on reward styles, another place where I make money. 
So it's trying to figure out how do I optimize those more? Some of it may be how do I get more people there? And then the other part is how do I get more SEO traffic, the better type of traffic there and go from there. I'm also going to try, but I haven't done yet, some Facebook ads. I'm going to do them for a different reason. But when I looked at stuff last week, I noticed that one of my articles, only one, 50% of the people that go on the page end up going to Amazon. So I may experiment with Facebook ads when I look at what the revenue per page view is getting me. It looks like it might work. So I'm going to try that on maybe five different articles, which look like they have the potential to make sense. So whether or not it will work remains to be seen. Right. Always be testing out that stuff. That's exciting to hear and all the different revenue streams and traffic sources and stuff you can kind of do once you're in motion here. Do you have a strict publishing schedule for this? Like, hey, every Monday I got to come out with a new post or is it like, no, like you said, I'm going to spend the next several months kind of optimizing what I've already got. Okay. So no, I <laughs> am constantly trying to change and innovate and adapt For a long time, I was trying to do one article per week after I was monetizing. So that was working, but definitely not strict on day of the week because for SEO, it really doesn't matter. So if one was on Sunday and one was on next one on Monday or Friday or whatever, that's fine. And if I missed a week, I tried to do makeup two the following week. But now I've been trying to branch out into other things that can make me some more money, like my email list for, I I now have a, I started an email list teaching people about not teaching, teaching blogging, but giving out blogging tips and things like that because I have two SEO books that do really well. So I figured if I have more people on my email list, maybe some more people will buy those and recommend them. And then I have been using that some more and trying to branch into other areas as well, because I really believe in diversification of traffic and income streams. Because on some months, some things do better. On other months, things do worse. The holidays are coming up. So my traffic is probably going to go down like it has for the last nine years in a row. So I have no no reason to believe it's going to be different this year. So I have to find other ways to monetize as well and be less dependent on page views. Do you have an estimate of how many posts are on the site at this point? So I have almost 300 articles. And I started my website in 2011. But when I was working full time until end of 2016, I was at the very beginning maybe doing one per week. And then I went to one per month and I would skip some months. That, that's why I know if I skip some, it's not going to kill me. So I'm a little bit less worried, but I, I know my traffic is going to go down no matter what I do for the holidays. But yeah, just 300 articles. Yeah, because it's more of a, it's a blog in the sense of like, yeah, I can constantly update content, but people aren't following along for Debbie's flooring journey. They're coming for answers to specific questions. They're landing from specific Google questions or pin, you know, they see a pin and they're coming that way. They're, I don't see a lot of people, like you said, hey, I don't even have an email list until very recently. And it's a, it's a quick kind of transactional type of, type of readership. Exactly. It's, it's like a Q&A site. When people have their questions or problems, they search for it, they find it, they get it answered, and sometimes they buy stuff. I remember in 2011, my dad looked at me as if I had two heads when I said I was going to start a blog. He said, who's going to want to follow your blog? And I said, no one. 
(laughs) I said, seriously, no one. I don't care. All I want are the people that are about to buy their flooring to find me and call me. And that's what I did. It's scary at the beginning because you have no idea, no idea what's going to work or how to do it. And then once you start going, you start learning what are the keys, but you kind of have to just learn by doing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Can you speak to your experience on Pinterest and what if anything, you've done to optimize your presence over there. It remains an enigma for me trying to figure out how to better reach an audience over there. Gotcha. Okay. So first, let me caveat this by saying that Pinterest is great, but is not great for all categories. So it tends to work better for things that are much more visual, like home decor works, crafts work, different things that you can see or visualize. It doesn't work as well for blogging or personal finance. It, it definitely does and can, but it's harder. I have written some articles with the express purpose of trying to do well on Pinterest and not with SEO. Like an idea will come into my head. So that article I told you about best paint colors to sell your house, which my customers ask all the time. So I know it's important, but I created the pin before I wrote the article because I had this hunch that it would be visual. So I said, let me do that. And then I'm going to write the blog post around it. And I've done several things like that. So the funny thing is my flooring pins don't do as well on Pinterest. My painting ones do. And my theory behind that is that People are doing a lot of decorating and thinking, getting ideas from Pinterest, and everybody needs to paint. And half the people feel that they can paint themselves. And Pinterest does well on DIY stuff. For flooring, people don't do the floors as often. And when it comes to sanding and refinishing, they really rarely can even do that themselves. But usually they need a professional to do it. So it's trying to understand what is working well and create more pins like that. So now that I have pins that are doing well, especially on painting, I will create a additional pins maybe every couple months or so on there and keep trying them. So different pins that point to the same content. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, on that best paint color to sell your house, I probably have 10 different pins. Some do better than others and that's fine. 
But at the beginning, you don't always know what's going to do well. So at the very beginning, when I do a new post, I will do two or three pins and then see which does better and then keep the one that's doing the best and then create others until I get a few that are going. Best meaning most repins, most clicks. How are you measuring that? Only clicks. I really only care about clicks to my site because if they're repinning or impressions, it doesn't do me any good. It doesn't make me money until they click on my site. I sort everything by what's going to my website and the clicks that I'm getting to my website. Repins help. Like that would be the second measure to look at, but all the other stuff is useless and distracting. They're red herring. So do not worry about impressions. Don't worry about engagement, any of that other stuff. Focus primarily on clicks. I sort everything from that going to my website with clicks. And then after I do the pin, you want to have a good description in there. And then the very first, this is really important. The very first pin needs to go to the most relevant board. So you don't do it to your best of board, but you do it to the most relevant one. So for me, one of my best painting boards is called DIY Painting. So that will usually be for my painting pins, the best. It'll go in there first because Pinterest apparently tags it with the first board and it helps Pinterest understand what the pin is about. So I told you what to do when you create a blog post, but there's the pre-work before. So I basically, before I pin anything to that board, I try to create great boards. So I will create some painting boards and then I try to keyword the boards with relevant painting terms, paint colors, paint shades, whatever. And then I will fill up that board with maybe 50 third-party pins, not my own. And I will do things where I search for, let's say it's called paint colors. I just made that up. And then I will look for the pins that come up when I type in paint colors into search And I can also see the number of repins. So I will take those and then I'll look at anything that has high repins. So I always want at least a thousand. But in my categories, I can sometimes find things that are like 10,000 or 60,000 or whatever. And those go into the board. So then the idea is that more people follow that board and then you've made the board strong. So then when you pin your pin, it's in a strong board or a strong home and your pins do better. Okay, so it's not a group board, but you're seeding it initially with 20, 30 super popular pins in that category, in that niche. Yes, group boards are not nearly as important as they used to be. I have some that do well, but most of the catch-all group boards do poorly. And basically, you want to pin to good group boards, and you do not want to pin to bad group boards. So I stopped pinning to the bad group boards. And I will always go into Tailwind maybe every two or three months and look at how many repins per pin I'm getting on that board. And if it's less than one, then I stop pinning to that board. So I'm just pinning to strong boards. So Tailwind is the scheduling software. Yeah. And and the truth is, it doesn't matter if you use Tailwind or if you do it manually. It really doesn't matter. I use Tailwind because it saves me time and my time is worth more than $10 a month. I can spend that time in writing another blog post or sure. <laughs> or creating a new pin. So I use Tailwind, but the Tailwind has good analytics that you can use to analyze your boards. And the other thing I do is I try to make sure that every new pin I'm going to pin can go into at least five boards right away. 
So I have several decorating boards, but they all have similar names. I mean, I can't remember where they all are, but it might be something like DIY home improvement and DIY decorating and decorating your home and whatever. And I have several other painting boards. I'll have neutral paint colors and I'll have DIY painting and I'll have gray paint colors and I'll have gray and grayish paint colors or whatever they are. So when I have a new pan, I first pin it into the best board that tends to do the best and then I will repin it to all my other boards and maybe five boards and maybe 10 boards and I'll space them out. And then I'll do to my home decor boards. And then I'll do later to some of my group boards that are relevant. Okay. So you won't do it all at once, but you'll spread that around across your different relevant boards. Exactly. So I might spread it out over a week or so or whatever. Right. So it doesn't just look like, hey, my last five pins were all the same exact one. Right. I have a lot of pins. So it's very... I can, I can tell. I'm, I'm going down your <laughs> yeah, Pinterest account here. Hopefully it, it looks pretty good. Are you doing all those images yourself? Or like, do you have a, an assistant who helps manage that account? What's that look like for you on a, on a day-to-day? Most of them I do myself. So yes, I have paid one of my VAs to do some, but I have found that for home decor, even though my VA is excellent at doing pins, for home decor, I do them they come out way better because I'm so entrenched in the category and she isn't. So I know what's stylish and I'm constantly looking at it. I see other pins that people do. I will collect them into a secret board called something like things I really need to do. So it used to be things I need to do that it became things I really need to do. (laughs) And I'll just do them there. But I never copy other people's pins. I will search and reapply from different categories, but I do most of those and I create them in Canva. All right. I appreciate you sharing the inside scoop on how to get to 5.2 million monthly viewers on on Pinterest and a couple hundred thousand page views. That's many, many times what I'm earning from Pinterest these days. So appreciate that. On the money front, you mentioned the ad networks. You mentioned the affiliate stuff, Amazon Associates among that. You mentioned reward style which is something I'm not super familiar with. And then you mentioned your own products. So what kind of products are you selling through the site? I don't really have many products or anything related to home decor at this point. I have two eBooks I created in 2016, which do next to nothing, total failures on my part. And then I created a couple of printables. So I have something like a one-page timeline for sanding and refinishing because people need to know how long it is before they can walk on their floors or that the dog can walk on the floors or how long before you can put furniture back or put drop cloth. So I created some one-pagers like that, but that's it. I don't make much money on that, but that needs to be a focus of mine, especially for next year. And then the other products are my two SEO books. So I learned how to do SEO really between 2010 and 2012, but I didn't really tell anybody (laughs) And then I forget, sometime in 2017 it was, I think, or maybe 2018, my dad got really, really sick. And I also needed some more money to pay all my bills and everything. But I needed to get my mind off my dad because he was getting dementia, but it it turned out that he just needed brain surgery. sounds so crazy when I say just needed brain surgery, but we didn't know that for a long time. And I had to get my mind off of stuff. So I helped some bloggers do SEO. I just taught them over the phone how to do it. And I would do two-hour consultations. 
And then word got around because people said I knew what I was doing and it was very helpful. They could understand it and blah, blah, blah. So then I got so booked up. I got booked up for three months in advance and I couldn't do everything. So then they all said that I should start creating ebooks. So I created two SEO ebooks. One is on on page SEO and the other is on off page SEO. And they do really well. So that's what's bringing the money in for the product. So for that, it varies from month to month, but maybe $2,000 to maybe $7,000 a month or so in net profit. I do everything in net profit. Yeah. Well, that's helpful because some people like to puff themselves up with revenue numbers. <laughs> You're like, well, what's, what's the bottom line? Exactly. It drives me crazy. How are people finding these? Like, I've been digging through your site all day. Like, I found one link on the about page to how to start a blog. Like, there's nothing on here that's like, oh, by the way, I can teach you SEO. Like, it's all home decor, paint, hardwoods. Like, it's not about blogging. That's right. It's completely hidden because the people coming, the 500,000 page views a month are coming from people at home decor. They don't even know what SEO or blogging is. They don't care. So I don't want to confuse them and I don't want to confuse Google. So I also know index a lot of my pages too. So when people started saying that I should do SEO books, I thought it was crazy because I said, how am I going to do that? I don't have an email list. I don't have blog posts about SEO. How is anyone going to find me? It makes no sense until someone said, do it through affiliate marketing. So I was known in a few Facebook groups for doing SEO and these people who own the Facebook groups knew me and liked me and respected me and knew that I knew how to do SEO and they had the target audience for me. So I created an affiliate program and they were the ones that sold my book for me. Ah, gotcha. Almost all of it came that way and I never would have succeeded had someone not said that. So the person in particular who, by the way, you may want to interview in a future thing is Carly Campbell. And so I was co-moderating her group at the time. So people knew me. And then I was so scared that it would fail and that people would think, oh, it's boring and everybody else has it. But the first book I came out with was for backlinks and how to do those the easy way. And then word of mouth just spread like crazy among these bloggers that I knew, including like big bloggers that were making way more money than I was. At the time, I was making $12,000 a month, which I was thrilled with, okay? But all of it related to home decor stuff. And then these people just started recommending my stuff. And then I would find a few more affiliates and they would do the same thing. And then I created a second book. So I do have somewhere where I do have my income reports, which I'm happy to give you a link to those so you can see. So I now have the progression from when I went from $11,000 all the way up to $24,000 or so. But now I only share it with my email list. Oh, okay. So that's not in the blog archives or and at least not easily accessible in the blog archives? It's actually on a different blog altogether. Okay, okay. Because I really... I really did not want to screw up all my Google stuff. So Yeah, you don't want to dilute the authority here. Exactly, exactly. So I ended up buying another blog just a few months ago, and then I'm posting them and that sort of stuff on there. I haven't had enough time because time is my biggest issue, but that's where all that stuff is. It's on a blog called healthysavvyandwise.com. And if you look at it now, it's probably going to look really messed up because I posted a whole bunch of things all at once, but I'll fix it. Okay. HealthySavvyAndWise.com. <laughs> That's the more blogger-facing audience. That's a more blogger-facing site versus the flooringgirl.com, which can stay squarely in the home improvement niche there. 
Exactly. So my theory is that I think it's way easier to do well when you have a, a niche blog because first of all, you become the expert. Secondly, Google is more likely to recognize you as an expert. Third, I do best on Pinterest because Pinterest shows my stuff for painting and for flooring on there and home decor. When I start posting everything, I'm basically jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Through Tailwind, is it exclusively your content that you're pinning these days or are you mixing it up with other people's stuff too? Mainly my stuff, but I do, I'm using Smart Loop in there. And so I do have some of the pins and they are automatically being done. So I don't have to do anything with it. So I collected some really good high-performing home decor pins. And I just have them looping those again and again for me. All right. I got some homework from this one uh, for sure. So <laughs> thefloringgirl.com. You can check Debbie out over there. We will link up healthysavvyandwise.com as well. Really appreciate you joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. My number one tip is that if you're going to blog, focus. Focus on a niche and be an expert in it because that is the way to succeed and it's the faster way to succeed. So true. Well, we're really excited to see everything that you've built and what you'll continue to build as we move forward here. So Debbie, thanks again and we'll catch up soon. We're closing in on the end of the year here, which means it's probably a good time to start looking at, if you haven't already, your bookkeeping and specifically your deductible business expenses. Thankfully, there's a cool tool that can help you keep track of business-related expenses to make your life easier come tax time, and that's our sponsor, FreshBooks.com. Specifically, with the FreshBooks mobile app, you can snap pictures of receipts and add those to your business expenses for faster and more accurate bookkeeping. FreshBooks is the award-winning cloud-based invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for small business owners, freelancers, and side hustlers. This is the service I rely on when I need to invoice clients or advertisers, and it's guaranteed to keep you way more organized than that proverbial shoebox filled with receipts. Inside, you'll also find helpful features like time tracking, proposals, and more. And the best part is, Side Hustle Show listeners can try FreshBooks totally free for 30 days. There's no catch and no credit card required. Head on over to freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle. All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Debbie. Number one is to answer questions because search engines are answer engines. And yes, Pinterest is a search engine too. So what do people ask you about? And you might be thinking, yeah, well, nobody ever asked me anything. I think it might be worthwhile to go through this exercise that Scott Britton recommended to me years ago. His suggestion was that keeping a log, and he did this in a Google Sheet, keeping a log of questions that you get is perhaps the most important thing you can do as a content creator or as an aspiring content creator. He argued that this was important for a couple reasons. First, people are already hoping and assuming you have the answer, so there's some perceived expertise there, which is great. And second, if one person has this question, odds are other people do too. Odds are they're not alone. I liked Debbie's point in this call on trusting your gut too. If you hear a question from a real person or multiple real people, it's probably worth answering that in public, even if the search tools, the keyword research tools, say that nobody is typing that in. And if nobody, truly nobody is asking you anything, you can start by answering your own questions. Like, what have you figured out? Some of my most popular YouTube videos 
came from doing exactly that. Like, how do you create a folder in Gmail? How do you stop Dropbox from eating up all your local hard drive storage? Simple stuff like that has turned into content for me. And thanks to YouTube ads has turned into at least a small stream of passive income for me too. 50 bucks last month from just those two videos. You won't hear me complain about that. Or you can look for questions on Quora, in Facebook groups, in blog comments, in YouTube comments. They're easy to find. And I think this is a relatively straightforward yet still strategic way to begin building out your content. So answering questions, that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is to write with Google in mind, but think Pinterest first. And I say that with a question mark because I'm not sure it's going to work in every niche. But still, Debbie's theory about Pinterest traffic shortcutting her path to page one in Google was really interesting to me. And it makes sense that Google is taking these social signals into effect. They're in the business of answering questions. And if they're like, hey, here's a well-written piece of content that seems to be doing that, yeah, maybe it's worth showing a little more prominently to our users as well. And then you can follow Debbie's strategy of pinning to your most relevant board first, of creating multiple images, and of using Tailwind to automatically keep these images, these pins circulating. That's takeaway number two. Takeaway number three is to consider the user and optimize what you've already got. One thing I think Debbie's done really well with is making the most of her existing assets, both in terms of the site as a business and income generator in itself, but also in terms of the individual pieces of content and the data that the site generates. What I mean by that is she's put herself in her visitors' shoes and in her visitors' headspace by writing content to help them with what they're asking about, but also what they might also be thinking about next. And in the case of big, usually offline purchases like hardwood flooring, it's often in those, hey, have you considered this sections of her content that end up driving affiliate sales? I also thought it was pretty cool, Debbie's suggestion of heading into your Google search console to see what Google is already giving you impressions for, and then trying to figure out if there's a way to optimize your existing content to pick up more of that traffic or to spin it off into a separate post. Look at what's already working and figure out how you can better serve people who land on that page, or if it's already performing well monetization-wise, how can you get more people to land on that page in the first place? Once again, you'll find links to all the resources mentioned in this episode, plus the free downloadable PDF highlight reel summary with all of Debbie's top tips from the call. Those are over at sidehustlenation.com slash Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show, where I'm exploring 10 creative side hustles that make real money. I'll see you then. Hustle on.